Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Holiday, a practical guide for making the holidays holy days. And we are on day 49, which is crazy. I, I know I say that every single time, but it blows me away. 21 days we've been doing this. Um, 49 days until 2020. And I just want to take a moment right here at the beginning to remind you to keep continually refocus yourself on who you are becoming. This is a time of becoming. It's less about doing and more about being. Not so much what do I need to do, more about who do I want to be. And so in these things that we have um, decided that we're going to give God, you know, these, this, these things that we've committed to Him, we constantly have to remind us of that. For example, and my things are I want to become more loving and I want to become more humble. And I do have these tangible things that I have set out for myself that, you know, the morning time, the letting, letting uh, love rule in my heart so that no matter what happens to me or comes at me, I'm going to respond with love, which is going better than I thought it would. Um, thank you, God. But I, um, I have to remember that that is like, that is my training. I am training myself to be godly, right? But the overall thing is I'm becoming more loving. And then the other thing is I'm trying to learn to become more humble. So I take whatever is coming at me that day. I don't have to do anything extra. I don't have to take anything out. I just have to take what is coming at me and respond to it in through humility. Think, okay, because things come at you fast. Yeah, I feel, I feel afraid. I feel uh, attacked or I feel mad, angry, whatever, frustrated. Okay, wait how would I uh, respond if I was humble? What would it look like if I took that, you know, maybe it's a, a the rock of resentment I talked about earlier, and I just break it up with that sledgehammer of humility, with something harder, humility. Um, what would it look like if I was putting this situation through humility? So it's not anything extra I have to do. It's not something I have to schedule in. It's just something that I'm becoming. So that's just a little snippet. Keep your mind focused on what, uh, who you are becoming. Okay, so last time we took a little break from the Psalms of Ascent and we went over and talked about praying through your fear. I hope that helped you. It really helped me. That is exactly what I needed at the time. And today, before we go back to the Psalms of Ascent, I want to talk about something else. We're going to go to Psalm 91. And um, I just want to start reading here at the beginning. Okay, Psalm 91, and I'm reading from the NLT. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night or nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge and if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. 
you will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Okay, so there are so many beautiful things in Psalm 91, and I'm sure this is a favorite uh, for many people. And I love these images, beautiful imagery, like we talked about last time, the Hebrew imagery that God gives us so that we can picture something. What are we picturing? And so that I want to encourage you to go back through this over the next few days and just soak in the imagery, meditate on it, let God speak to you through, take times of silence and read just one little part and picture what that would mean about you and about God. Um, but today, for the purposes of this video, I'm actually just gonna go to the portion that this year has spoken most to me. And I'm gonna try to communicate, I'm gonna try to articulate, but I don't know how it's gonna go because I have a lot of feelings. This was a really monumental scripture for me this year. So, um, you know, this year for me has been a, a time of testing. Now, I am not a stranger to testing. I mean, those of you who listen to me for any least time know that a lot, of, a lot of what I talk about is going through tests. And I am very familiar with testing and I'm very familiar with testing for a season. And then, but I'm also, I, I'm, I like to get to the other side of it, you know, so I can look back at the season and go, oh yeah, it was really hard, but God taught me this and this and this. And, you know, God is always working for the good of those who love him, you know, yes. You know, when in retrospect, when you can look back at, oh, that's what I learned. Yeah, such a great lesson. <laughs> I always like to be on the other side of the lesson. And uh, this year, there's just not been the other side yet. It's just been a very long time of testing. And so when I got to verse 14 and it says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. You know, and I have that word rescue just, you know, it's in a box, it's pink. I have actually, in all the Psalms, I have put a little pink box around every time it says rescue, it's a big theme of the Psalms that crying out to God for the rescue. And I found myself this year, yes, like, where is the rescue? God, this has been going on so long. Where is the helicopter coming? Get me out of here or change this or do something or what? Or maybe, and then I read the next sentence, it says he rescues those who love him. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay, so maybe do I not love God? Is that what's going on? Like, have I been deceiving myself? Maybe I don't love him. Maybe I'm really just loving for myself. It's really about me. And I mean, maybe I haven't been loving God all the time, you know, and just all these doubts come in because I can't figure out what's going on. And then it just hit me. This is the exact Psalm that Satan uses when he is tempting Jesus in the desert when he's getting ready to start his ministry. And if you think about this, it's so funny. I read this last year, at, and I did a lesson on this last year about this time. And I just want to read this to you over in Luke 4, where, um, you know, uh, the temptation of Jesus, you know, Satan is coming after him because he's hungry, he's been fasting, and, and he tends him in different ways. And this one way, it says, the devil took him up to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, and he quotes Psalm 91, he will order his angels to protect and guard you and they will, up, they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. 
And I was like, that is exactly what is happening. Because here Satan is calling into question Jesus' identity, like we talked about last time. And he's saying, well, if you were the son of God, first of all, you could do whatever you want. You should be able to do this. You should be able, you know, Satan is always telling us what we should be able to do. And, you know, you should be able to do this. This is what the scriptures say. You know, it's kind of how I was reading it. It's like, my life should look like this. If God, if I really loved God, it would look like this. He would be rescuing me. But this would be happening. And I had to go, oh my gosh, Satan is attacking my identity again, just like he attacked Jesus' identity. But what does Jesus say? How does he respond? Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. And I realized, I, had, I just realized when I was reading that, that's right. It's like I'm setting up the test for God. Like if my wife was working out the way it should, it looked like this. If you were rescuing me, it would look like this. This is what you're supposed to be doing, God. You're not passing the test. But it's not us that test God. It's God that tests us. And he has every right to do so. And as I was reading this, I realized, you know, I must be missing it. Because Satan is wrong. He's attacking my identity, but he's wrong. I love God. And I am wrong because I'm testing, I'm saying this is the way it should look, God. Work it out to my liking. I must be missing what he is actually doing. I must not have the right definition of rescue, or I must be expecting something or picturing something that God is not. So let me look at this scripture more intently and let me see and take my eyes off of uh, off of what I so much think should be happening and try to see what God is doing. Not what is he not doing, but what is he doing? And so if you look at the next scriptures, now I've got this all marked up in here. I, I recommend you do this too, but these are the words that I underlined. Um, after it says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. He says, I will protect, and I underline protect, those who trust in my name. When they call me, I will answer, and I underline answer. I will be with, and I underline be with, them in trouble. I will rescue, I underline, and honor them. I will reward, I underline reward, with long life, and give them my salvation, I underline give. And I underlined all of those action verbs so that I could start seeing, but what is God doing? God is very active. He may not be working out a rescue like to my liking the way I think it should be working out, but he is very active. And what is he doing? So I'm, I, I thought about this and I have been like kind of mod, I go back to this repeatedly to try to remind myself, what am I looking for? So I came up with basically four things that we're looking for. Um, and we'll start off with that. What is to look for? Well, the first thing it says is I will protect those who trust in my name. This idea of protection we talked about last time, how he's the shield around us. But in this psalm, he, he describes it differently. He gives us a different image and he says, I will, he will cover you with his feathers like a mama bird, shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. And I think about this, we trust in his name, you trust in his ways. That's another way of saying it. You obey his commands, you follow his precepts, you follow his ways, you follow the path of righteousness. You decide, I am going to do what's right. 
no matter what is going on around me. And you have to kind of picture this path, and this is what I've been picturing, is it's a very, it is a pretty narrow path, as the Bible says, it's the narrow way, but it, there is a path of righteousness. And God is going to lead you on it. You just decide, I'm going to obey in whatever situation comes my way. No matter what happens, right, in Philippians, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Or as far as it depends on you, live at peace with any, everyone. So you go into whatever situations you're going into, whatever conversations, whatever meetings, whatever um, thing at work that's happening, whatever family dynamic that is going on. You've got people in your house that are crazy? Yeah, we all do because sometimes it's us. Sometimes it's the rest of the people, but we're legit. It's true. Sometimes the people in our house are not doing so well. But no matter how they act, no matter how my boss is, no matter what my situation is at work or at church or in my small group or in a conversation or with my disciples or whatever, I am going to conduct myself in a righteous manner. I'm going to follow his decrees. I'm going to trust in his name and he will protect you. I don't understand how it happens, but if you walk into a situation, you go, I'm just going to, I'm going to be loving and I'm going to be humble. And somehow you are protected by all the little snags that Satan has along the way, because that path, it is big enough for you to walk on but it is small enough for you to get snagged on the little things that Satan puts on the side. He's desperately trying to snag you with his thorns. He's desperate to do that. And it's easy to do it. It's easy to get snagged if you don't keep your eyes on the righteous road, no matter what happens. And I have been practicing this as I go into each new thing in my day, whether it is sitting down with my child to do some work for school, or whether it is going into a meeting, or whether it's going into a conversation, or whether it's going to midweek, or wherever I'm going, I'm trying to practice preparing for that situation specifically. What is the righteous path? What does God want from me right now? So that's the first thing. He protects us when we do that. That's something he's already doing. He has protected me this year. God has protected me. What is all the stuff he's protected me from? What is all the stuff he's protected you from had you not done what was right? So he's already doing something. Number two, answer. It says, when they call on me, I will answer. And I had to start realizing when I call on him, he will answer. Not when I'm calling on him to rescue me. I need to start asking him for answers. <laughs> answers to the things I'm going through, not necessarily to get out of those things. Like, where's the helicopter to get me out of here? <laughs> you know. But I need to look for, I need to start asking the questions and letting him answer. You know, I've said this before. I'll have many questions that build up through the day and many things that I don't understand and many things that God is trying to teach me. And I just feel like I can't keep up. Sometimes I, I don't get this. I don't get, I don't get this, whatever this is. And I would swear I cannot tell you the number of times that I get up that next morning and I read the next psalm, you know, because I told you I read through the psalms this year, and I would swear the next psalm that I had to read that day would give me the exact answer with whatever I was wrestling with. And I mean to a T. <laughs> I remember specifically a time where I had not, I had not really gotten angry in this in, um, yet. But then there was a time I got really angry. And then I woke up the next day, and of course, it's the psalm about anger. Do not give, you know, full bit to anger. I'm like, I cannot believe the timing. It's only God's timing. God knows when to give the answer if we are asking the right questions. 
God, show me what you want me to see. I don't understand this. Please speak to me. And he'll speak to us in a lot of ways. He speaks to me through the Bible in the morning. New mercies I see. That is really a true concept that when we open our eyes to the Bible, you know, what, it's, what does it say? Just open your eyes. And when we see, open my eyes to beautiful things in your word. Help me to hear it. Help me to see it. Um, you have to be quiet to be able to do that. We've talked about that. He also speaks through friends. I mean, I had this experience even just yesterday where I was just, I, I needed somebody to tell me that God had me, that God has you. Don't forget this. And they, whatever it was that they were telling me and the scriptures they were quoting me were exactly what God was trying to tell me. God had already spoken to them because he knew they were going to speak to me and he was going to give me some answers. And it gave me what I needed to be able to go into the conversations I was having. It's exactly what I needed to hear through my friends who are basically and telling me a lot of what I have told them in the past. But I remember having a conversation with my friends this year going, I think you just need to tell me things that I've told you. Don't, don't keep, she goes, well, I'm going to tell you what you've told me. And I'm like, don't, don't keep saying that. Just tell me. Because it's like I can't remember any of the things that I've ever said before. I need you to tell me. I need you to give me the answers God has given you. Whatever you see in me, just give me those answers. And he speaks through his friends. Um, this is what I think about when I think about Jonathan and David, when Jonathan went to David to help him find his strength in God. Jonathan didn't go to David and solve all his problems. Jonathan didn't go to David and take on his problems. He didn't try to um, carry David's load, but he helped him bear his burden. And that's what I think about when I think about God answering you through your friends is they're helping you to put your faith back in God and to find your strength in Him. You know, God is our refuge alone, and He provides friends to help us go back to that. We need that sometimes. So God will answer us, and God has been answering me this whole time. He's not absent. He is not absent. He is answering. Um, the third thing I underlined is be with, and this was very significant for me because it says, I will be with them in trouble. And this is what it finally sunk in, I think, that he's not going to take the trouble away. He is not going to take the trouble away. That is not in his plan. That's in my plan. <laughs> that's how he would pass my test. <laughs> but that's not in his plan. He is not going to take the trouble away, but he does promise, I'm going to be in it with you. I want to show you how to go through it. I want us to build our friendship through it. I want us to build our companionship, our camaraderie. I want to be in this with you. You know, it reminds me of that scripture where Paul says, everybody deserted me, but the Lord stood by my side. What a moment that Paul learned how to walk with God. It's about walking with your maker. It's about recommitting yourself to your faithful creator, as it says in 1 Peter 4 that you recommit yourself to your faithful creator and you continue to do good. Walking together, doing good. I had this really amazing experience where one of these Saturdays over the 70s, days, I can't remember which one, but I just woke up so despondent and so depressed and you know, the tests were on me, uh, just many tests. And I remember my theme scripture, which is that one I just quoted, um, to recommit myself to my faithful maker 
or my faithful creator and continue to do good. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start doing good. I'm just going to do those works that were prepared in advance for me to do. I'm going to make calls to encourage people. I'm going to drop cards off. I'm going to, um, I'm going to write a card. I'm going to make some cookies. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do good. And God is going to go with me. And I cannot tell you, it changed my entire day. It changed my entire mood, my spirit, because it was God showing me, this is how you walk through this time with me. With, not for. You don't just live for God. You live with God. Okay, so be with. Don't quit waiting for him to change the you know, to stop the trouble, to take the trouble away because he's not going to. Sometimes that's exactly what he wants to do is he wants us to walk through the trouble with him. Okay, and then the fourth thing I wrote down is the word deliver. And you say, wait a second, I don't see deliver in here. And that is because, see how it says after I will be with them in trouble, it says I will rescue and honor them. It says rescue again, but this is the only translation I could find where it actually used that word again. It's not it doesn't use this word in any of the other translations. All the other translations, the Hebrew one that I use, and then the, um, you know, even the NIV says deliver. Deliver them. I will deliver them. And I, I started puzzling over that word, puzzling. I was like, deliver. Well, deliver sounds like it's over. I want deliverance. Deliver us. You know that song. <laughs> deliver us. And I had to realize, wait a second. Okay, so, you know, have you ever... Uh, have you ever been I, uh, in a uh, shopping, I don't know, what, what is it called? A grocery store. Grocery store. We have Ralph's here. And they have the self-checkout now, right? And I've told this story before about how I go to the checkout and, of course, go to the self-checkout and it's not working. It's not working. And then all of a sudden, once you've messed up the machine enough, what does it say? It says, help is on the way. And it says, <laughs> and so you're like, dang it, standing there waiting for the help. And then the help doesn't come. I, this is at least my experience. The help doesn't come right away. So I said, the help is on the way. And it keeps saying, help, help is on the way. Help is on the way. <laughs> After a while, you're like, where, where is the help? And I was thinking, this is how I'm feeling a lot of the time is help is on the way. Where is that help? And it, uh, and it made me realize, you know, I have to start thinking about how I'm waiting. I've become so bad at waiting that okay we have prime we have amazon prime right and i'm sure many of you do too i am so used to getting that stuff the next day that the other day i was i was shopping and you know how um i shop on my favorite places are thread up and zappos um, you know shop on amazon but um you know how it has that place where it says you know click here to track your order well i had ordered on another place except for uh, uh, other than Amazon Prime. And it was taking, well, I don't know, longer than two days. And so I was like, where is my order? And I clicked on that thing. It says to track your orders. I click on it. And I mean, it's like in South Carolina still. And I'm like, what? You know, I become so accustomed to things happening so quickly that I was just so put out when I was you know, trying to get things from a regular, just a regular old company. I think at this point it was Classical Academia Press. I was trying to get stuff from a regular old company and it was taking longer. I don't know. It's been like 10 days. <laughs> and it was put out. You know, and I just thought, you know, I need to learn how to wait. I need to learn how to be on God's delivery schedule. Now, I might be able to click here to track my order. But really the truth is that I'm not ready to be delivered. It's not that God's not ready. It's that I'm not ready 
I need to keep that in mind. And also I was thinking about how when Daniel prayed, um, and I'm thinking Daniel was in a pretty tight situation. I mean, he's getting ready, you know, he's he's got a lot going on, a lot of problems, a lot of political problems. This is his life that's on the line, all this stuff. And he prays intently. Uh, what was it, three times a day? He prayed um, when he wasn't even supposed to be praying. He prays on his knees in full view of everyone. And when the angel finally gets there, he says, you know, I came right when you started praying. I was sent, but I got detained battling the, you know, whatever, the, the prince of whatever this, this kingdom was over there. It's this, all this, you know, otherworldly spiritual realm stuff. But thinking about how at the moment that he prayed, the angel was dispatched, but it took a while for the deliverance to come. And this for me has to be me accepting and finding joy in God's timeline, in his schedule, in waiting. It's his delivery schedule, not mine. It's his test, not mine. <laughs> and so that leads me to the next, the last three, which those four things are basically like where we can, what we can open our eyes to see. Open your eyes to see how God is working. Always reminding yourself. Um, a prayer I've been praying um, that's helped me with this waiting and reminding myself every day, God, open my eyes to what you are doing. Help me to really notice it. Um, Help me to, you know, to to notice when he's there, when he's answering my prayers. You've got you to realize, what is he answering? He's not answering everything right now, but he is answering something. And I've started praying this prayer that says, God, help me to be okay with what cannot be fixed today. You know, I have a lot of things that are, they're not quick fixes going out of my life. They're just not. They're going to take some time. Some things are quicker and some things are longer. Um, but it's okay. Everything doesn't have to be fixed today. You know, I'm a fixer, and I want it fixed today. Actually, no, I wanted it fixed yesterday, <laughs> but I'll settle for today. Okay, so that's who me in my flesh. But, but I need to be uh, okay with God's schedule. Help me to be okay that not everything is going to get fixed today. Help me to be satisfied with what is fixed today. Actually, help me to take joy in it. Help me to celebrate those things. And that's... The next step part of this is what should we focus on while we're doing this? You know, you hear me on, uh, those of you that are on Facebook know that I always say focus up. And I mean focus on the things that are above, get your mind off of this vertical, I mean off of the horizontal, get it up to the vertical, get your mind on the spirit where there is life and peace, get it off your sinful, get it off of yourself, get it off of other people, don't look to the world and get distressed, don't look it too much inside and get depressed. Look to Jesus and be at rest, right? That's Corey Timboom's um, uh, quote. But always focus up, focus up. And you know, these next three words are honor, reward, and give them my salvation, basically give. And this is sort of how, what we're supposed to focus on. And it reminded me of last year's 70 days. Now, last year's 70 days was in First Peter. And I'll just tell you that when we are going through suffering, when we are and hardship, which is a lot of the Christian life. And that is the truth. But here's the, here's the clincher. Suffering doesn't mean that we have to be depressed. Suffering teaches us to be joyful. We can learn to be joyful when we experience trials of many kinds, right? We can learn to suffer well. We can learn to suffer with joy. Actually, remember the disciples said they were fired up when they were counted worthy to suffer 
the lashes, right? That just like Jesus did. You know, Paul prayed, I want to know Christ and fellowship in his sufferings. I want to know what it's like to be in his sufferings. And this first Peter is, if you're going through sufferings of any kind, this is the the chapter of the of the Bible that you should be looking at, or the book of the Bible you should be looking at. But it, you know, it reminds me of this, this whole, for the joy set before him, which is from Hebrews, but for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. And this is, you know, reward, our reward is coming. It's not something that is here right now. These are the things that are coming. And so we set our mind on them. It reminds me of I press on towards the goal to win the prize. It's okay to be going for a reward that is coming later. It's okay. I mean, the, the Old Testament is God is my reward. He is my portion. And, and I do think that, like, I can't wait to get to God the longer I am alive on this planet, the more I'm trying to fight the battle and not grow weary, the more I realize I just can't wait to get to be with God. I can't wait. It's going to be so awesome. He is my great reward. And there are ways that we can wait well. And that's what I see in First Peter. It teaches me how to wait well. Um, you know, there's ways to keep it to do that. You have to keep refocusing your mind up. You know, I'll talk about setting an hourly reminder on your phone. Have it, have it ding, and, and it says focus up, or get your mind on the Spirit, or stop and pray right now, or remember God's promises. They are your protection. You know, put some reminder, an hourly reminder on your phone to set yourself back. Oh, yes, okay, that's right. I'm going to refocus myself up. Or if it's not an hour, then certain times of the day, every three hours, focus yourself back up. Use that phone as an agent to remind you of how to focus up. Um, teach yourself by doing that. Um, you know, the second thing it says about, it says he'll bring, he'll give you honor, and it automatically reminded me of the First Peter scripture. I'm going to start reading here in, um, in verse 6. It says, First Peter 1, 6, it says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So, now remember this, it says, So, when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. This is when we're going to receive our honor. Don't look for honor today. You don't need it today. We don't need to be honored. <laughs> we're going to look next time at the truth is that we're going to be persecuted. But remember, you will be honored on that last day when Jesus reveals himself to the whole world. And they're going to go, oh my goodness, Jesus really was the Christ. Jesus really is Lord. That's when our honor is going to come. And then after that, it goes into the next part, which it says he'll give us our salvation. That's the last thing that from the psalm. And here, if you look in verse 8, it says, You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious and expressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Oh, it's so amazing. Then it goes into this whole section about what the salvation, how cool that is. And then in verse 13, it says, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Put 
all your hope in the salvation that is to come. Don't put your hope in getting rescued now. Satisfy yourself with God's timing. Rejoice in the suffering for now because you are waiting for a better rescue. I'm waiting for the end rescue. I'm waiting for the salvation of my very soul. In the meantime, God's going to test my soul. He's going to test me through fire, and it is okay. I will be okay, and He has every right to do so. He is testing me to bring me into His presence, pure and holy. Oh my gosh, is that like just not an amazing idea? So put all your hope, it says, in that salvation. Don't put your hope in him changing the circumstances now. Okay, and so those are, so it's, it's about looking for what God is doing, not holding out for the way, the, what you are picturing in the way of the rescue, identifying what he is doing with those four things, and then learning how to reset your mind on the things to come, the honor, the, the salvation, um, the glory, you know, all of those things that are coming later. Continue to make those what you put your hope in that salvation that's coming. And uh, next time we are going to return to the Psalms of Ascent, but until then, I hope this helps you until next time.